What up, what up, what up? You're now listening to the Go Talk Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Travia Scott, and my brother, Eric Scott. We're going to be bringing you the greatest basketball conversation of all time. We're going to talk basketball, basketball, and hmm, basketball. So if you want to become a part of the family, become a part of the conversation, subscribe, share, and tell a friend. We're located on various streaming platforms such as Google Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Thank you, and enjoy the pot. Yo, what's up, man? What's up, what's up, man? It's a beautiful day, beautiful morning. What's going on? Not much, man. I'm just I'm just getting up and it's a it's a beautiful morning to talk about some NBA topics. Man, we got a lot going on right now. But first we got let let's go ahead and get the finals preview. Let's go ahead and get that underway. Well not the uh let's break down game game three. What what did you see? Oh, man, I, can't even, I can't even think about that right now, man. You crazy, man, <laughs> You want to talk about game three? That blowout is a blowout. That's what I think. It's a blowout. Uh, play that play. Uh, Katie didn't play. They got their ass blew out. That, that's what I think, man. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Um, Steph had a Steph had an amazing game. Um, you know, that was his best playoff game ever. But uh, the Raptors showed up and they showed out. That's yeah, that's pretty much what happened in game three. <laughs> that was it. So let's get into the real reason why we're why we're, we're talking. Uh, we're Hawks fans, so as we both know, the Hawks made a trade of our um, incumbent small forward, Torian Prince, for it was a the number seventeen pick for Torian Prince, and um, hold up. It's it's Torin Prince from Allen Crab and the Brooklyn Nets 2017 pick and like a 2021 protected first round pick and uh and uh the Brooklyn Nets also get um a second round pick from us and I think this year's draft. What do you think about that trade, man? I think Travis Slink is honestly a genius GM. Um terms of rebuilding this team, man, I think he's doing all the right things, man. Um, first and foremost, well, I guess that was first and foremost, but secondly, um, big up to Torian Prince, man. I'm a fan of Torian Prince. Um, he's had his ups and downs with the Hawks, um, but I, I believe that he's a good NBA player. He's a really good shooter. Um, he has the potential to be, you know, a good defender, but, you know, he, he showed a lot of his rookie season on the defensive end, kind of, you know, flashes in and out of defense the rest of his career. But, you know, big up to that guy, man. He, he played hard for the Hawks, especially uh, the year before last when it was just pretty much him and Dennis Schroeder out there. Dennis didn't really want to pass him the ball. So, uh, just, I mean, uh, uh, Torian just had to kind of get it how he lived. So, uh, Brooklyn, you know, y'all getting a good one. You know, you're getting a guy that can definitely compete. He can shoot. He can play hard. Um, 
but the, I guess, you know, some would say the writing was on the wall, you know, from a Hawks perspective. Um, Travis uh, Schlink did not draft Torian. Uh, Torian wasn't always the best fit uh, alongside the new guys. I think towards the end of the season, he started to fit in a little more, but by then it was just too late. Uh, there just wasn't really a drop-off when he didn't play. You know, we didn't really miss him. And for the GM to get a first-round pick this year, a first-round pick next year, um, for, for, for that trade, that's great. I think it was 2021. I'm not sure if it's next year. I got to look. I I was just watching a video on it, and it was I think it was 2021, if I'm not mistaken. But that's still that's still I mean, good to get. Two first round picks, that's yeah. incredible. The thing that really surprises me from a Brooklyn standpoint is this is a team that went years without having a first round pick, and for them to you know potentially trade too um, to get rid of Allen Crabb means they feel really strongly about their chances of. Um, not only just retaining D'Angelo Russell, I think it definitely means they're going to retain D'Angelo Russell. They're going to give him that max. They, they can match any deal that's offered to him. Uh, but they feel they must feel pretty strongly about getting somebody else to come along to, to Brooklyn because now they got they, they have the, the space to sign two free agents. So you count D'Angelo Russell as one, they're still going to have the space to max out another guy. Um, that's huge. And they still have the possibility of getting KD, and that just makes everything a little bit better. Um, this was a good move for both teams, um, just hands down. Uh, the Hawks kind of dig into their rebuild just a little bit more. I think they're going to be fine without Torian, like you were saying. Uh, Torian kind of had an up and down season this year. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't all bad. We learned a lot more about him. Uh, it kind of. I wouldn't say it mirrored his sophomore season because the sophomore season, like you said, Dennis was there. It was just him and Dennis. It was kind of like, uh, you know, <laughs> when he would get the ball from Dennis, he kind of went to work and, you know, I remember he had a couple big games at the end of that uh, end of that season. A couple thirty eight, yeah, a couple thirty eight point games. Yeah, he was he was hooping. I kind of expected him to have a little mini breakout this year. We didn't really see that. Um, then I remember um, when he did, I can kind of tell he can start to uptick his play a little bit. He got hurt. Um, right. Came back and, you know, during that, that was when I think Trey Young kind of went on his run. Um, he started his run and that kind of overshadowed everything Prince was doing. So Prince kind of came back and tried to work himself back into the offense, had a couple of stinkers here and there, and then he finally did kind of get, get you know, back into that. I think, you know, long-term Prince could have fit. But I can tell, I can, you know, like, I truly think he could have fit and he wasn't, he wasn't no bad. It wasn't like a bad fit at all. He, he just, I think Slink really wants to start that position or some start upside of that position. Um, especially since we got Kevin Herter, Kevin Herter and Torian Prince can kind of, um, I think Kevin Herter by next year or so that's what I'm projecting. He can at least do what Torian Prince, he can, you know, he can do 90% of what Torian Prince was doing, you know, um, by next year. Just giving you anything on defense makes it easier to do 90% of what Torian was doing because yeah. Torian gave very little on defense. It's kind of mind-boggling. Like, he 
like you said, man, he had good seasons. He was a good player, but that star potential wasn't really there. Um, and the contract. Yeah. I think if he didn't have that contract about to come up, maybe Slint gives him some more time. Yeah, because a guy of a, I mean, he he's honestly a, a elite off ball shooter. He's he's probably one of the top top ten to fifteen guys. I would say as an elite, he's an elite off ball shooter. Oh yeah, he's definitely he can, he can shoot it. Yeah, can really shoot the ball off ball, catch and shoot. He's one of those guys who's gonna be you know, and he can kind of give you some. He can. He can give you some isolation in spurts, but you don't really want that guy, you know, stopping the ball. That was really his biggest problem in Atlanta. He would kind of get the ball and stop it. And, you know, I kind of get it. You know, he that was a role we kind of needed on the team, but his his isolation offense isn't as good as, you know, you would think it, it, it can be. I see a lot of Chris Middleton in him. Um a guy, I feel like his development is going to go similar to how Chris Middleton went, you know, an elite off-ball scorer, and um, he's going to be one of those guys who can kind of get his bucket, get a bucket when he needs to, and also, you know, play off-ball. Uh, he can be a, a fourth option on a on a championship team probably, and he can work into that third conversation. I think at in his prime, Torrin is going to be close to a 20-point scorer. You know, it's possible. I think he can – I think he can – like, I can see that within his future. But uh, I think Schlink, this – you know, for speaking from the Hawks' perspective, um, this definitely means we're going to draft one of those Duke guys. We're going to get either camp. We're going to – we had – We're going to get a Dukey, baby. We're going to – we had a report. It was a report out uh, that we were looking into the Knicks, trading with the Knicks. Uh, potentially for the third pick in the draft, and that would leave us with R.J. Barrett potentially. And also you got Cam Reddish. So we have – I feel like Schlink has supreme confidence that he's going to get at least one of those guys or one of those guys who's going to – you know, we're going to try to see what's there at, you know, at 8, 10, or 3, or who wherever we get it. Schlink is – this isn't the first move. I think this is a – this is a – this spells the first move of a couple – we're gonna kind of make it to tweak this, and um, so uh, Schlink can kind of put his full stamp on this. You know, this is what you know his Hawks rebuild kind of looks like. But uh, for for my Brooklyn Nets perspective, this definitely it means like the Nets are not man. Like, hey, I'm coming. I want to come. Um, see if you can get another max contract spot. Maybe potentially KD, or if KD doesn't come, you know, I can. I don't mind playing with um. D'Lo, and this was a, a shoring up of their small four position, too, because I think Kyrie, D'Lo, and, and Prince, that one, you know, I think that can kind of... It's a lot of buckets. I say that, you know, if, if that were to happen, that's a lot of buckets right there. And then you got Spencer Dinwiddie and um, and uh, Karis LeBert, too, so they got a lot of depth there to kind of – they can play a lot with those wing guard rotations, and they they will be fine right there. Um, but, yeah, this 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 was a heck of a trade. And you, like you said, Brooklyn, a lot of first-round picks, man. It's I mean, the Hawks kind of get them. Hey, I'll take them. Well, we get the 17th pick in this draft. So, I, I really think we're going to move up, man, in this draft. We're to move up, man. The way I think – the way I see this happening draft-wise, um, cause yeah, so now 
we have the Hawks. They got the eighth pick. They got the tenth pick. They got the seventeenth pick. That's three picks within the first twenty of the draft. Uh, then you you have three second round picks. The thirty fifth pick. Uh, I think we got two in the forties. Uh, so we that's you know I mean and Schlink has gone on record to say he doesn't want to. He said he doesn't want to add five guys, five rookies. So you know he doesn't want to add six rookies. Um, we got to get a dookie, whether that's whether that's RJ or Cam or maybe even Jared Culver. Like those are pretty much if you ask anybody who who cares about the NBA draft, those are the three top wings in this draft. Um, well, some people will argue Cam Reddish. Uh, they might throw in uh, DeAndre Hunter, but Jared Culver, uh, RJ Barrett, those are definitely the top two wings. Um, just from personal preference and what fits the Hawks, Cam Reddish is in that same mold of being a great wing. Um, I've read that the Hawks are interested in DeAndre Hunter. I don't see a reason why they would trade up for DeAndre Hunter because he should probably be around in that 8 to eight to 10 range anyway. But like you said, I think Schling really wants superstar potential at the small forward position. Um, I think he wants depth. At the small four position, you got to remember Kent Bazemore is on the last year of his contract as well. So I can see I can see the potential of the Hawks drafting two wings in this draft because they have so many damn picks. They could package maybe the eighth and the the eighth and the tenth or the eighth and the seventeenth. Package that up to trade with Cleveland to get whoever they want. Maybe that's maybe that's Cam Reddish, or maybe they trade with the Knicks and they get R.J. Barrett. And that still leaves a 17 pick where they can go and get maybe Nasir Little, maybe who could fall down there? Maybe Kevin Porter Jr. falls down there. Maybe a guy like Keldon Johnson. There are some options down there that they can still get a Romeo Langford. They can still get another wing at 17 just to prepare for when we get rid of or when we trade Bays or let him leave in free agency. Um, and then you can still get a center in the second round. So they can realistically walk out with three guys this draft and trade the rest of the picks to get their mission accomplished. It's an enviable position. Uh, I think Schlink is in the best position of any GM in the NBA besides the GM of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, because he's going to get Zion. Um, and he's going to trade some stuff to get rid of AD. So you got – who is that, Griffin? You got Griffin in New Orleans. That's number one GM right now. But then you got Schlink in Atlanta, number two GM as far as this draft goes, man. It's crazy. Um, but from the Brooklyn's perspective, the Nets, um, and Torian Prince, you got to love that fit for Torian. You got Coach Atkinson who knows him. Yeah. Coach during his time in Atlanta. I mean, that's honestly, that's the best trade Torian can ask for going into a contract year like that. You got a coach that knows your game. Obviously, he wanted you if he included you in the trade. He's going to boost you up. He's going to help you out. And you got the potential to play for a really good team. Like, if they get Kyrie Irving, like you said, and you line up Kyrie and D'Lo, and then you got Torian Prince, you got Jared Allen, you got all these young guys that go, that's a good position to be in, period. Like, that's a good position to be in. I think both teams, both players, Crab. Uh, I don't know how much time he's going to see on the court um, in Atlanta. I won't even be surprised if he gets bought out. 
depending on who we draft. Um, he we owe him eighteen and a half million on the last year of his contract. I I mean he could definitely play out the season, um, but he could be spending a lot of time with um guys like um <laughs> uh guys like um who we got on our bench. Um, we I mean, could be spending a lot of time on the bench. Hanging out yeah, with him, Bay's. Oh, yeah, he, yeah, he, he might know those guys really well. Um, <laughs> uh, was, Alex Poitras, him and Alex Poitras might get a lot of time together. Um, way guys, you know, you know, because I just, you know, I don't see a long term fit for him on the Hawks, and right. you know, I don't know if Slink is in a buyout mood or if he, you know, he's good. The guy can shoot. So he definitely has value. Um, if we only draft one wing, then we definitely want to keep him because he he can hoop. He's not a he's not a great hooper, but he has value. He he can shoot. He he's long. He's athletic. So you know. Um, I can kind of see. I mean, him, Bays, and um, and Bembry kind of do a lot of the same things. Um, Bembry can't shoot as well as Crab, but I think they would they would kind of go with Bembry a little bit more over that. Um, what does this mean for, you know, what does this mean for our depth chart as far as that wing, that wing position? Um, because I honestly like, you know, Bembry handling the ball. I like Bembry with his def- defensive tenacity. Um, I can agree with you. I don't think we're going to – we're definitely not going to bring on five rookies. Um, I can see us bringing on at least two, at least two. Um, I can see that um, just for the rebuild, really, just, you know, to have this kind of – because, you know, Torian was a little bit older than um, than John Cobb and Trey Young. I mean, he was already 24, approaching 25, I think, or already 25, yeah, I think. He's already 25. You got Trey and John. I think John is like, he's not even 22 yet. And uh, right. Trey, he's not even 21 yet. So you got your, you know, your real, your real core of your, you know, your cornerstones of your franchise. They're not even, you know, they're two to three years younger than Prince. And Prince, yeah, he could have grew. Yeah, he could grow nicely with this core. He was already growing nicely with the core. But I mean, yeah, I can't. To go back to the Kenny Atkinson thing, Kenny Atkinson is a great coach. He comes from that bud tree. Um, he, um, you got to remember when we first drafted, um, we first drafted um, Torian. They were he was getting a lot of Damari Carroll comparisons. And, uh, who's up in Brooklyn? Damari Carroll. I think he's way better than Damari Carroll. Not defensively, but offensively, yes. He's already, like, way better than Damari Carroll. But, um, you know, he can kind of help him. They're kind of built in a similar role. Uh, they both have dreads, so I guess that's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. Dark skin with dreads. Uh, yeah, dark skin guys with dreads. So they kind of uh, they kind of both – they're, they're both supposed to fill the same role or a similar role in NBA. And uh, I can kind of see Damari kind of helping him out with that. Uh, maybe teaching him some, some you know, new dread techniques or something. Um, you know, cool. they can lock it up, you know, get, get some lock, you know. Yeah, that's you know, like, they're both uh, stylish guys, you know. They can they can hang out outside of the uh, practice. I think they're gonna be they're gonna be good friends. But this is a good move for Torian. I think he's he has the potential to grow. They're like that Spider Man GIF, man. You see, you know the Spider Man GIF, where they're the, 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 the mean, where he's pointing at each other. It's just, <laughs> really how it is, you know. Uh, 
because as soon as as soon as Prince was drafted, everybody immediately drew Damari Carroll comparisons because it was the easiest. It was like dark skin guy with dreads. Oh, he's right. the Hawks. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, we were sitting next to each other at the Hawks draft party when we drafted Torian. Yeah. And you were like, we just drafted Damari Carroll. Like, yeah. What is this? <laughs> Damari Carroll, like, we got – we had – Got rid of him like the season before, if I'm not mistaken. Like not got rid of him, but he got uh, he got that big contract from Toronto. You know, they just Toronto was really trying to get Demari, but uh, yeah, we just drafted his replacement pretty much. Um, but I mean, he definitely is not Demari Carroll in the defensive end, but uh, offensively he's he's otherworldly in that. Uh, well, not otherworldly, but he can. He's a couple leagues ahead of Damari Carroll. Yeah, definitely, man. That's something I didn't see coming when he came into the league. Like, I just thought he would really be more so with Damari Carroll type of player. Just, you know, hit an open three, play good defense. And maybe that, you know, was – I mean, that is a, definitely a testament of how much he's worked on his game since he's been in the NBA. Like, he's legitimately a guy – you can give him the ball, you know, and kind of trust that he's going to get a bucket. Um, not like a, you know – all-star level type of score, but he's definitely, like you said, on championship team, um, you need shooting. Like, imagine if, if, um, if, uh, like, Philly needed a guy like him before they got to buy his hair. Like, they needed that kind of shooter. You know, they needed that kind of guy that could just come off the bench and get you, you know, 12 to 15 points and go sit back down and have some Gatorade. Like, so, I think, you know, this is definitely not the end of the, um, uh, Torian Prince's story probably just a, you know, new chapter that's going to, you know, really uh, turn out good for him. Yeah, man, I think, um, I think he, if uh, Torian looks back, he's going to, he's going to be thankful for his days in Atlanta. I don't think there's any bad blood. Uh, I have been, I looked at his Instagram a few, a few days ago. I saw all the, you know, hops. I feel like, I feel like he knew he was going to be – it's a potential for him to be traded this summer. He, he didn't have any type of hearts, anything up there, just a couple of work, workout videos himself. Um, so, yeah, I think he kind of knew this, especially with the contract year. Um, I didn't. I don't want to be in a position to match his, his contract because he could get um, on an open market maybe 80 mil. And uh, it, it depends on what team is the right team. He could get an eighty mil. I don't think uh, I don't think Schlink wants to kind of tie all that money up. And even though I think in the end his contract will be a good value because he's he's a six eight dude who can shoot. That's yeah. probably the most valuable position outside of point guard in the NBA. Almost, I think you know you got to have every team needs to have a six seven six eight six nine dude who could shoot the ball. Um, There's going to be some teams. I mean, Oklahoma City, that's what they don't have outside of Paul George. They don't have a wing that can shoot. The Lakers don't have a wing that can shoot. Like, there's teams that are, you know, they need a guy like that, and they'll probably be willing to overpay for a guy like that. Yeah, um, that's how we saw Kent Bazemore get that big contract a few years ago. And got Allen Crabb was in that uh, Kent Bazemore free agency class. So, I mean, that's going to be – Oh, yeah, he was. That's – yeah. It's going to be interesting next year, especially when both of their money comes off the books. I think that we kind of – I don't know. Slink's going to play the long game with this one. I think if he gets a buyout or he can get a trade maybe to a team like OKC or something like that, uh, sucker a team like OKC into taking on Allen Crabb, um, 
that would be dumb on OKC's part, but <laughs> I think uh, if they can sucker a team like OKC or a wing, you know, a deaf, a wing deprived team into taking on Allen Crabb, you will. But you know, he has no problem with waiting now. He already has the assets. There's really nothing more. He yeah. Can- Know, squeeze out of Allen Crab. You know, he'll he'll get it. Allen Crab will get about 15 minutes a game and you know he'll he'll be he won't be on the team next year. We both know that. Uh same with Baze. Baze will kind of phase out. I would like honestly I would still like to resign Baze to a shorter like a you know I wouldn't mind Baze kind of being being around as that long term Hawks vet, you know, because he's a he's a quintessential Hawks guy. You know, he's a he's a team he's, guy. He's the only one left. He's the only in that 60 team, 60 win season. So he's kind of last glimmer of some older Hawks, you know, early in this decade, uh, Hawks team. So he's the last of that. But uh, you know, Slink is we're we're clearing cap space, man. Next year, that's about what 40 mil? Almost I saw something online that says closer to 50, 50 mil off the book because Plumley Plumley falls off, Bays falls off, and um Crab falls off. Yeah, so and then we still have all those guys that are going to be on under rookie rookie deals. Yeah, Adam Glenn falls off. Like yeah. the cap space is going to be crazy. Yeah, we might have a couple guys. Uh, we might go ahead and stand John. Who knows? You know, we can do a lot with that cap space. And even then, I don't think that that would affect that cap space. Then, so we have a lot of money to play with next year. Um. I don't. I still don't think we would be even aiming for a free agent. Then we're more so. It's more so just about developing this culture, this young core. Uh, whoever, especially whoever comes in at that small forward position, we're yeah. going to be towards. You know, whether it be Cam or RJ, hell, both. Um, like. And let's talk about that because now we have this glaring hole, and you kind of asked it earlier, like what happens to the starting small forward position? Um, I remember when we drafted Trey Young, right? The uh, there was talk of, hey, you know, he's coming out of um, Oklahoma. His summer league wasn't really that impressive. Do we start Jeremy Lin and ease Trey Young into the conversation? I mean, no. the starting spot. But Jeremy Lin made it an easy decision because he was too hurt to start the season. So, boom, we, we give the reins, you know, to Trey Young. And then, you know, you trade Luka and you do all that. You kind of have to start Trey Young. Uh, that just is a given. And I feel the same thing coming. Like, if we trade the eighth and the tenth pick to move up to the fifth or the fourth pick or even the third pick, and we take R.J. Barrett or Jared Culver or Cam Reddish, you kind of have to start them, right? Like, you you can't, yeah, I mean, can't, can't beat around the bush and act like, oh, you're going to have to earn everything you get. No, you kind of have to start that guy. Yeah, I'm with you on that same boat, man. It's like, you know um, – the guys who are going to be on spot starting duty, I would say, would be Bays, Allen Crabb, and uh, Bembry. Those are going to be the guys who are going to be on that spot starting duty. You know, they're going to be whenever – you know, we can probably look in the beginning of the season at those guys maybe starting. But I think long-term, whoever whoever we draft, I like you said, day one, I would just go ahead and start them. But, you know, for spot starting or a different look or something like that, you know, you're going to have those veteran guys maybe step up and do that. But um, You can always start Bays, and that works pretty well. Bays yeah. kind of work pretty well together. When Torian got hurt, they started, what, 10 or 15 games together and didn't miss a beat. 
Yeah. yeah. And then I think Bayes got her. Bayes was actually having his like best season almost. And um best season under um this current contract, I would say. Um yeah. and he got hurt and uh he kind of came back and he wasn't himself, I would say. And uh as he had lost his uh starting minutes to um to Herder. So it was kind of like he was he was a firm rotation spot out almost like he was he wasn't like the the sixth man or the fifth man anymore he was more so like the seventh or eighth man so he had kind of went down a whole rotation spot so i think that kind of played a role into it so i could you can definitely see guys like bays bimbry and um and crab you know crab is what about six six or something yeah he's in that six five six six range yeah, so he's gonna. They're all gonna get minutes at that spot, but uh, definitely whoever we draft, we're looking at them to be sort of the future. And I'm I'm with Slink on this one, man. Like, you know, Cam Reddish. I don't think he's the best fit, but hey, he has probably he has some of the more he has some star potential. I mean, everyone saying this draft is flat. That's just because we don't know who's gonna be a definite star. Like for real. I really think yeah. this draft is full of these six, eight, six, seven guys. I'll, some of these guys are gonna pop for real. Some of them, somewhere, definitely, they're gonna definitely pop. Someone's gonna pop, man. It's, mm-hmm. And it could be someone we don't expect. That's the thing. Like the number fourteen pick might end up being like Kawhi Leonard was, but he was number fifteen in his draft, and he ended up being one of the best guys in his draft class. Um, that could happen in this draft class where the somebody picked in the middle or even the end, Jimmy Butler. Same draft class with the last pick in the first round, and now he's a max contract guy. This is the same type of draft class, if you ask me. You never know where that star guy might come out. Yeah, because that was uh, I think that was a 2011 draft, and um, everyone knew that was the uh, that with uh, Kyrie was the number one pick, I think, yeah. and who who's number two? I can't even remember. I can't remember. But, Blake you know, came out of that draft. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean that was. A, Nice draft. Yeah. Um though that was a draft to where um you already, you know, there was a consensus number one pick, but then you get all these role players in that draft. Like I think the uh the Morris twins, if I'm not mistaken, they, they came yeah. out. They came out of that class, yep. Um like you said, Clay did Paul George come out of that? No, I think Paul George came out of twenty ten, but uh like you got, you had some very quality high end role players, you know. Tobias about, Harris, I mean, yeah, it's it's so many guys who came out of that class to where you're gonna, you know, five ten years. I mean, five probably five, five years. We're gonna look back at this class as like, huh, it wasn't that bad, you know. It was actually, you know, you some quality guys, and especially you have these, you know, the wing skill. The wing is probably is really one of the second most important position, you know, because you have a guy who can handle the ball as well as shoot. He can do the most things with the ball on the court almost. Um, So you have all these wing position players who are coming out. Somebody's going to pop. It's just not going to be RJ, you know, and I I really feel like Schlink is going to take the biggest swing on the star potential and he's maybe going to get one of these other like if he, I feel like he can finesse RJ and Cam. I don't know if he wants to do that, but he's gonna finesse at least two wing players now. You know, I feel and like that. I, 
I don't like the fit of those two guys together just because it didn't really work that well together in Duke. Um, and you got John Collins, who's kind of a Zion-ish type of player who punishes the rim. So I don't uh, – I, I put it this way. I like either or. I like RJ and I like Cam for completely different reasons. Um, I think Cam – I think Cam Reddish is a naturally best fit for this team. And if you look past his numbers at Duke, just, just don't look at the numbers, but just look at him hoop. Like, if that guy ever came to the park to hoop, you would pick him first. Like, that would be a you pick up game, give me the tall dude. Give me him. Like, he's smooth. He can dribble. He's effortless with it. He can shoot from anywhere in the court. He kind of fits what Schlink likes for a guy that can shoot. He can pass. He can dribble. And he's 6'9". So he gives us length. He has like a seven foot one, seven foot two wingspan. So on paper, and just from his highlight reel and what you know he's capable of, maybe not what he showed. He didn't show that. He didn't show it that much at Duke, but only in flashes. He hit a game winner. He had some good plays. But um, projection, like you said, superstar wise, I think he's the best fit. Like he's somebody where they can give him the ball. He can, he's he's going to make the extra pass, but he's also going to hit the shot and space the floor for John Collins. Um, I love that fit. I love the Cam Reddish fit, and I think he could end up being the best wing out of this draft as a pro. Um, but I love RJ because he's a fucking dog. Like, he he hates to lose. Like, he you can give him the ball, and he has that same kind of mentality that Trey Young has. Like, no, we're going to win this game. Like, we're going we're gonna to fucking win this game. If it's close. We're going to win this game. And I think you need that. Like, you need somebody on your team besides Trey Young who's going to say, hey, no, 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 we're going to do whatever it takes to win this game. Give me the ball. I'll do it. Screw it. I'll do it. Um, I like that about Arch. And it's the obvious skills. He's 6'7". He's athletic. He's good in transition, all that. But I like that Mamba mentality he has. Does that work with Trey Young? Like, will he will he ball hog a little too much? And then you got the – the ball stopper thing you were just talking about with Torian Prince, I don't know. That's why I don't say he's the absolute best fit because there could be some ball stopping going there. We saw a Duke. We saw early in the season he took like five shot attempts when Zion was just sitting over there looking at him like, bruh, game on the line. You don't want to pass me the ball? I'm dying <laughs> right here. I'm right here, dog. Like, you know, that. You know, that's the RJ I'm scared of. I don't want him – you know, trying to go one on five when you got Kevin Herter wide open. Like I Yeah. I, I'm scared of that. But I, I still think he could be a really good hawk. So I don't know. Slink gets paid the bills. I mean he he gets paid the big money to figure out which guy to draft. Even if he does get both, he'll make it work. <laughs> like, you know, maybe one guy has to come off the bench, which would be kinda you know, or maybe you push Kevin Herter to the bench, you know, I I don't know. But he'll make it work. I definitely think that um one of those guys are gonna develop um wh- whichever one we drive, one of them we're gonna develop them into a star and that's what we're trying to do. I think yeah. we're in I think Schlink is in the star making business as far as you get you get one of these guys, you because you gotta think a lot of these draftees, they have some type of some stimulus of star potential. That's why, you know, you have upside, you have floors. Um, so you look at Cam and RJ's, their their upside is exponential. Um, yeah. I, I would honestly say Cam's a little bit higher than RJ's just because I've seen that that RJ prototype a little bit a couple times in the NBA, DeMar DeRozan. Right. 
I feel like his ceiling is maybe somewhere it's like DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, or his floor could be Stanley Johnson, you know. And and or Evan I, Turner, you know that thing. Like, I don't know if I want to deal with that. And um the thing is moving the ball. That's my biggest thing. Um who is I want to draft who's ever gonna make that extra pass. Like uh you know, we understand you're doing that. Was the thing with Torian, he couldn't, he had he got tunnel vision a couple times and he yeah. started a little bit more towards the end of the season, too, too, too late. Um, but you get that tunnel vision. Is I want that guy who's going to make that extra pass to Herder or who's going to make that extra pass to Trey because he's he's wide open and we know you know he can bomb from thirty feet. Who's going to make that extra pass down low to John Collins because he has a mismatch or who's going to run that pick and roll and actually make that pass? I want that guy. I don't really want the guy who's going to try to go for thirty every night. I get it, and you can, and we're going to need that sometimes, and that's good to have. But I don't. I really want. I want a guy who's gonna, who's prime and prime is gonna give me close to four or five assists a game, um, like within the within the Hawks system, uh, because we need that. That's what we need. We need that ball movement because we got Trey. He's gonna average in his prime at least ten assists a game. I would say easily average 10, maybe 12 assists a game. They said he was – he's aiming for 13 or something. Like, they, they already were saying that. Like, he's aiming for that one season. And uh, I, I I can see that. And But we're going to need somebody who – because the ball's going to be in Trey's hands so much and he's going to be counting on the move the ball a lot and to get buckets, get his own buckets, we're going to need to make things easier on Trey by yep. getting – more so we're gonna need that guy to be able to score as well as move the ball. So I'm not saying you gotta be, you know, average eight or nine assists. Like I need him, I need that guy to average four or five assists a game and yeah. be comfortable be comfortable with doing it. And RJ has that potential. That's the thing. Like if he's RJ really yeah he's a really good passer, but like is it one of those forced passes where you know or is it like more natural instant passes? Like I need to know that. And Cam, Cam, you know, I don't know if he – does he move the ball? I haven't really seen a lot of Cam moving the ball highlights. He really didn't have the greatest college career, but I think his upside is still a little bit more higher as far uh, – higher than RJ. RJ has so many accolades, so that's why his, I think it's um, he's ranked so high. He has so many accolades yeah. or whatever. He's just been the man for so long. He's coming out of Canada, and he's just really been that guy. Deservedly so. He's a beast. Um, but I agree. Like you said, making that extra pass is going to be make a break. And this draft, like at this stage in the rebuild, the whole the whole NBA community knows Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter. They know the Hawks have a core. This draft class can really determine how high the, of a ceiling this team has. Because if they hit it right, like you said, if we if we draft two guys, we just need one of them to be a stud. We just need one of that. We just need one guy to be it. Like if in the next three years we just kind of figure out, okay, we drafted two or three guys, but this one guy's a real deal, then that puts the Hawks in a position where now we have. I, I know people get tired of this 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 um this comparison, 
but we have a Golden State-like team where we got three guys. And that's what made people mad about Golden State. They had three guys that were really, really good while other teams were struggling to have one. If we could have Trey Young and John Collins and you add just one more really good guy that you don't have to sign in free agency, well, now you got an enviable team because your, 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 your payroll is low, your talent is high, and, you know, the city's going to buy into it. Like, I think long-term, like even just this season, this upcoming season, we know Trey, Trey proved that he can drop 30 and 10 when he wants to. Like, he, he showed that. Like, if he wants to get 30 points and 10 assists, he got that. But I think the best version of Trey Young for the Hawks is maybe just 20 points but 12 to 13 assists. Like, if he's going to get his teammates involved to the point where he's, he's turning down shots because he's hitting open shooters, and then we got other guys like John or whoever we draft, and they're getting 20, 25 points. Well, now the Hawks are an unstoppable beast because, you know, you can't just say let's, let's – deep other teams can't just say let's take Trey Young, let's double, let's double Trey Young off the ball. And, no, you can't because if you got two or three other scorers on the court, what you, – you doubling Trey just to leave John open under the rim? Or just to leave Kevin Hurd a wide open? Or just to, like you said, if you have that small forward who can make that extra pass, then you can't afford to double Trey Young off the ball because it's just going to bite you in the ass every time. Um, and Schlink, to his credit, he's got like six chances to draft the right guy. Like he's yeah. got six opportunities to find that guy. you got to yes. like your chances with that. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder – and um, let me get your opinion on this. Where does this kind of push the Hawks' timeline as far as their rebuild? Because I would – I mean, we we as Hawks fans, we're pretty optimistic most of the time. With the, I mean, I'm I'm not I, – I lean more on the optimism side. And uh, I think I've only been disappointed maybe one – the most disappointing season within the last 10 years – of being a Hawks fan has been the Dennis Schroeder, um, Dwight Howard experiment. Yeah, that was a sad, sad season. The last playoff run where it was just like, man, uh uh-uh. You know, it's so. the worst Hawks team I've seen. And even that says a lot because they made the playoffs. But they, to watch, that was the worst Hawks team I've ever watched. It. Bad. Like, it was just bad. It was not pretty basketball. They would win games, but it would be, like, crazy wins. Their point differential was bad. Like, it was it was like we weren't supposed to be a playoff team, but it was just, you know, because of sheer talent, and the talent wasn't, you know, overly amazing to where we – I think we, what we got that year, like the sixth seed or something. Um, that, was a, that was the last year Millsap was here, right? Yeah, that was the last year Millsap was there. If Millsap and, wasn't here, we wouldn't have made it to the playoffs. Just yeah, we wouldn't have made it. It was all Millsap. <laughs> all Millsap, and he pushed us to like a sixth seed or something. And, uh, you know, the past two rebuilding teams have been pretty fun. You know, it was fun watching Torrin Prince Burt first season. It was fun watching Trey Young and John Collins come into their own a little bit last year. And um, we had some pl- slight playoff aspirations for this um, for this Hawks team. And what would you say with trading Torian Prince? Where do those aspirations go? Like, do we go another year into the tank and um, try to see what we can get into another lottery? Or do we push for the playoffs with this uh, young core? Because like you were saying, 
um, a lot of this, you know, that's we're in a very, very enviable position. Most most GMs, they want to get a star that they can build around within their first rookie contract. Schlink is like, no, we want multiple stars where we can build around the core within their first, you know, within we get all those guys on the same kind of rookie scale contract and within the same three to four year range or whatever. And we get that core to pop. That's a team that you can you don't have to worry about trading that one star or trying to build around that one star so bad. Where do you puts the Hawks as far as their playoff chances within the next year? Like, where can you see this now? Um, I think in, in terms of building around the court, the reason why we have such an accelerated rebuild um, is because Trey Young, John Collins, and Kevin Hurd are high IQ players. Um, they're young, but when you're smart, you're smart. It doesn't matter how old you are when you're, when you're smart, right? Uh, so that helps the Hawks a lot. And there is a chance the Hawks can make the playoffs. Even with Torian Prince, you know, him gone. I mean, we did replace him with a veteran player, and we still have Kent Bazemore um, under contract. So I don't, I don't think Kent – I mean, I don't think Torian uh, Prince's trade really affects our timeline at all. But to me, our timeline was always really the 2021 season. I think that's still going to remain. I think that – if we do make it to the playoffs this season, we're going to slide in as an eight seed. To me, that's a moral victory because that just means you get swept by Toronto um, or whoever, you know, wins the East. Um, but the thing, the wild card is we don't know if Kevin Durant's coming out East. We don't know what team he's going to go to. We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, there's five big name free agents out there that can land anywhere. Um, but, I think in terms of the Hawks, just as far as the development, I truly think that we're going to bring in two or three rookies, right? And even though we have our core in place, it's going to take 15 to 20 games of just mix and match uh, from Coach Lloyd Pierce to figure out what are the best combinations and to really just push these rookies to stop making dumb mistakes. Every rookie makes dumb mistakes. Trey Young had a pr- pretty hard time his first month in the league. Um, John Collins averaged like 10 points his first year in the league. Like Kevin Hurd is still scared to shoot the ball sometimes. So I think that you bring in some more rookies, even though they're talented rookies, I still think there's that learning curve that it might take us up until around Christmas to really start clicking. And then once we start clicking, I think they're going to be a 500 or better team. So does that get us an eight seed? Does that get us a seven seed? I don't know. Orlando looks good. Uh, they look better. You know, there's a lot of – in other words, there's a lot of teams in the East that are getting better at the same time that we're getting better. And if the that Bulls. wasn't the case, yeah, the Bulls had a chance to be a really good team. Um, so with that in mind – I can't talk about the Hawks in a vacuum because in a vacuum, yeah, I think we can make the playoffs next year. But there's like three other teams that are on our same trajectory. So I do know without a shadow of a doubt the following season, 2021, we end there like swimwear, man. Like we might be competing for a top top three seed um, two seasons from now because of the experience to be there. And, you know, that's another year of Lloyd Pierce to do his thing. 
uh, for 2020 season, eh, I won't be mad if we don't make the playoffs. Cause I think we'll be like a – if we don't make the playoffs, I think the Hawks would be a 9 or a 10 seed, you know, like right on the verge of making it. Yeah. What do you think, man? Um, I definitely, I'm definitely in agreement. The East is going to be a lot more competitive um, next year. You just got to think. I mean, think about teams like Boston. Boston could lose Kyrie, but you still have Jason Tatum and and they and um Jalen Brown. They still have a nice young core there that they can they can maneuver around. And you still have um their GM there who can you know get it done. Um, you know Brooklyn. Still is gonna be if they get Kyrie, they're gonna that's gonna push them up a couple seeds into that top four range. You got yeah. Indiana. Indiana's gonna um get they got Depot. Depot. They need to, you know. <clears throat> I think that's a team that could do a couple maneuvering, some maneuvering, whatever. They're gonna be around. Uh, Detroit, nah, who knows? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who knows, man. Um, you know. You, you have those teams in the, you know, and like you said, if KD comes out east, it could be, it could get ugly, you know, it, it, especially for that, that top four seed in the east is going to be detrimental next year, especially if, if KD comes and you got, you got Philly, Milwaukee, you got Toronto, you're going to have, you know, if, if Brooklyn, who knows if KD, KD could decide to come and he's yeah. And Kyrie's in Brooklyn, and it's just a a New York battle like every other night. Like it's 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 crazy, you know. And you'll be fighting for that. But like you said, the Hawks. I think this kind of this. Um, I think Schlink. This definitely pushes their timeline back a year, maybe as far as if we were. I feel like we projected to make the playoffs next year. I think Schlink knew that if he put that team out on the court, they could – there was a good chance. It was like a 50-50 shot, you know, of them like kind of making the playoffs, sneaking in there as like a seventh day seed. If we just had a, kept that team, Torian Prince drafted a couple guys, they developed well. But now you push the, you pushing those rookies into the starting, starting lineup or whatever – so you're gonna you pushing back the the that team's timeline just slightly. Like you said, we could still do it, but the chances are not not fifty fifty no more. I think it's more so uh, you know, it's a 40, 60, 70, 30 thing. Like if you know, we're gonna sneak in there, like sneak be that nine, ten seed and you know, we're gonna hang around and be one of those fun good still gonna be a fun good team to watch. Probably number one, you know most fun team to watch in the NBA. And um, it's definitely going to be a developmental season. Uh, you're going to see a lot of the Trey Young, John Collins show. Uh, Trey Young's going to take that next step in the in the all-stardom and superstardom, and John Collins will be right there with him. And you're going to see that that other guy, whoever that other guy is, is really going to be – this season's going to be about finding that other guy. Like, who's going to be that third guy to complete this core? So, you say Trey Young, John Collins, and right now we're kind of putting Kevin Herter in there. But I, I think we all kind of know that Kevin Herter is never – not going to be that guy. He could. He could. But I feel like – or RJ or whoever we getting for, you know, who, who's ever going to be that third guy, um, that's what we're looking towards. So, 
yeah, playoffs not not full. We're not really fully focusing on playoff next year, but that twenty twenty one season definitely that we're gonna be all aiming for it. You know, it's gonna be all we're gonna be all aiming for it. But that, that's why, that, man. Because at the end of the day, we want a championship in Atlanta. We've had ten straight playoff runs. Like we know what it feels like to make the playoffs, but we also know what it feels like to not be good enough to get over that hump. Um, and as to be a really elite title contender. Um, I'd rather take the slow road uh, and develop it and build it to where once we hit the playoffs, people know, like, uh-oh, like, okay, Atlanta's going to be a tough out. Atlanta might, you know, Atlanta might make a deep playoff run. Like, I want to be that team. Like, every team goes to the playoffs once the first time, and they're just kind of happy to be there. But after that, you got to mean business, you know, and I want us to be that type of team where, you know, Philly, you know, they've had their kind of issues rebuilding, but they're at that point where it's like, nah, you guys got to be competing for a title because you, you're good. Like, that's why I want the Hawks to be, like, not just happy to be there like Orlando was this past season. Oh, wow, they made it. Congratulations. Like, no, I want to be like, no, Trey Young and John Collins is this motherfucker, and we're trying to win. Like, that's that's how I want it to be. So that's why I'm okay with not making the playoffs this year because I know that just means – when we do step in the in the dance, we're here to take over. Yeah, it, it, I see the other way because um, the what I was saying, like most teams, really only want that one guy. They're not looking for two or three guys, you know. And we kind of just lucked into John Collins, and I feel like um, the ideal, like. The ideal big three is like a guard, a wing, and a big. And if you could get that, you know, we already got the guard and the big. We can get that wing to be like a star-level player, same as our guard and our big. You you really can't stop it. It's just like it's the ultimate, you know, it's the ultimate big three. And we got all those guys. They're young. They're gonna enter their primes together. They're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna be stars together. Like if we could get that, and that, I mean, I can kind of see it. I can see the slink vision now a little bit. I mean, I, I still probably don't know, but at the same time, I can see it. You know, we got John, we got Trey. Now we're pushing for that wing position to be a little. We need that better. You know. Torian Prince is okay, but we need better. We need better on that wing position. Like, we need a star player on that wing position. And we don't really need a free agent. We're not trying to – we're not out here talking about some KD come to Atlanta or whatever. We got young Steph Curry. We got the – we don't – we don't – we're not We're not begging for any free agents. We're trying to do it all in-house. So when we do come and when we do – and it's going to be nasty. I think a lot of people are not – they're sleeping on it right now. You know, this this a lot of people are sleeping on it. But we get that guy and he pops, it's gonna be nasty, man. It's gonna be nasty. And I think the other thing that we haven't really touched on in regards to what Slink can do in this draft, having this many draft pieces allows him to take a gamble and it also allows him to take a safe pick. Like if you if he trades up to get that guy that he thinks is gonna pop, that allows him to maybe with the seventeenth pick um, that he has, if he keeps it, it allows him to take a guy, either a super safe guy, where I don't know the name of who he could be, but 
you know, let's just say it's Nasir Little. I don't think he would drop that low down but in the draft. But uh, what if he takes Nasir Little, a guy that, you know, came off the bench in college, but he has a physical profile to be a great defender. Um, he has a profile to be like a Jalen Brown type of guy. If you get that guy in the second half of a draft, you know, five years down the road when you're winning a championship, people are like, man, this guy's a key contributor. How do you even get on the Hawks? How do you slip down to 17? Well, you can afford to take a gamble on a guy like that if you already, you know what I'm saying, feel like you have your guy that you took fourth or fifth. Um, or, you know, somebody like Kevin Porter Jr. You know, he's – whoo, that boy looks electric. Um, we, we don't know if he's just – going to be a super six man or if he's going to be the best scorer in this draft class. I don't know, but you can, you can afford to take that gamble. If you already think you have your guy that you took earlier, like I like it. Yeah. I like the fact that we don't feel the pressure to have to hit on, on every pick. Like we, with this many picks, you know, like every other team only has one pick. So they really feel like they better hit on that one guy. We, we, we good. You know, we, we could take two or three and be happy if one or two of them turns out to be an NBA player. Yeah, like uh, a team, I look at a team like uh, Cleveland. Like uh, Cleveland better be watching every Atlanta move right now. They better be like studying how Atlanta did their rebuild. And, you know, every team's situation is different because Cleveland obviously still has some of the remnants of uh, LeBron's championship run and, we know what, you know, LeBron can kind of do to a team once he leaves. But I definitely think that, uh, you know, a team like Cleveland needs to watch and take the slow path to the rebuild. Don't try to get back to the, the promised land so fast. You know, um, I mean, I could see I could see potentially LeBron. LeBron maybe wants to come back to Cleveland to kind of retire or something like that. And, hey, have something for LeBron to come back to in, you know, three or four years trying to try to take a slow path to a rebuild they have a nice path they have a nice piece with a uh what what's what's i can't think of his name the point guard they drafted last year colin sexton yeah colin, colin sexton they have a nice piece with him uh just take that slow rebuild and not try to not try to necessarily uh but we we have that advantage with all these multiple picks that's the big thing we have like we have so many turns at back to where you know we can hit out what well, we got what, five six picks now we you know we can hit out of the park on one and two of the other two or three maybe turn out to be okay role players and we it's just we we have such a treasure trove of assets to where you know we can really do no wrong but at the same time, like, if we get it right, it would be so nasty. And it's like we've turned the ship around. It's a completely different culture. Like, people don't realize Dennis Schroeder was on the roster last year. Right. <laughs> this, this, this hasn't been Trey Young's show for too long. It's been Dennis Schroeder was, like, the guy last year. Like, coming into the draft, they were, you know, Dennis Schroeder was the guy. I didn't know if we were going to take Luca or anything. Like, it could have been anything. We took Trey Young. We gave him the keys. And um, we just kind of turned it around from there, man. It's, it's, I'm, I'm along for the ride. You know, this is, I feel like this is going to be another fun Hawk season. It's, 
it's just crazy. I'm I'm just this was a good move. I think we all kind of saw it coming. Torian Prince wasn't gonna be there. He wasn't gonna be maybe a part of the long term future of the Hawks. But um I definitely think that this was one of those moves that we're gonna look back and be like, man, you know, he made that move at the right time and you know, he got this guy in here and it, it just, you know. I didn't think he had two first for Torian. That's the thing. Like I did not think two. I can see one because Torian's a first-round draft pick himself and a good player. I didn't see two. And that that's, man, man, hats off swing. Like, that's what makes it so amazing. We still, we're still going to benefit from this trade down the line because we'll have an extra draft pick in the next year or two. Like, it's, man, our GM is getting busy, dog. Like, he is getting busy. <laughs> Is getting busy, and Atlanta is that that team. So we can still make a couple salary dump moves and get even more assets. Like, um, like Schlink is coming to play, man. He and I think when he finally does, when we finally do do start winning. And you know those. Um, I can't wait to see him in his in his real GM mode where he's. Well, I mean, right now this is kind of like the the structuring of the actual team, but it's like you know those uh those champ when you're trying to make a playoff run or a championship run, and later in the season those key acquisitions. Um, you know, I want to see some of those moves or uh maybe like a Masai Ujiri move, say uh just hypothetically, or we. A couple years down the line, we're making these playoff runs and, you know, put, you know, R.J. Barrett being DeMar DeRozan. We're making all these these playoff runs or whatever. We just can't get over the hump and we make that move to where we take that and we turn it into a finals appearance. We take, you know, DeMar and turn him into Kawhi and make the finals. Like, it's – I can't wait to see him in that mode too because this is only – like him making these type of moves only lead me to think that he's going to be excellent at those type of moves as well. Like uh, the Hawks are in a really good position. You know, a lot of teams don't have a good GM, a good young core, a good culture. Like you can't say they have all three of those. And like, like the Hawks are, you know, I, I, I challenge anybody to, you know, find many better organizations than Hawks. Man, exactly, man. It's been a complete turnaround. So let me ask you this, and maybe this would be our last, you know, question to kind of get, you know, figure out, you know, with some projections. You know, you're, if you're the GM, you're Travis Sling, or you're, you're his assistant GM, right? And he asked, okay, Trey, I can either trade up to three with New York, trade up, trade up to four with L.A., I trade up the five with Cleveland. I mean, obviously three is better than four, and four is better than five. But you know, what deal you think is the most realistic, man? What what deal is the most realistic? What deal is going to get us who we need? Um, I think you could read like you. I think you could easily get to five with um with Cleveland. Um, I think trading with the Lakers is going to be a crapshoot. Because the Lakers are trying to get a get AD, they're trying to get a they're trying to get something in there. So they're using, you know, the Lakers would be kind of smarter maybe to um, maybe trade down and get a couple more assets or whatever um, to kind of throw at New Orleans maybe. Um, and New York and kind of is, is in that same boat because I feel like they're still in the Anthony Davis trade conversation as well. I don't know. It's a real tough one, man. I, I really, I really got to see, 
right now, I think those projections are uh, what you got uh, RJ, you got DeAndre Hunter, and um, what's what's the what's the other guy? Uh, Eric Culver. Though out of those three guys, who has the most star potential? And that's gonna be, I think, your that's gonna lead you to your most reasonable answer. I really don't – I personally don't have a definitive answer on that because, like, you, I've been looking at it. I've been looking at a lot of draft stuff, draft comparisons and all of that. It's real – no one really knows. You know, they kind of have an idea on the top three picks. They have an idea. But after that, no one knows. This is going to be a very underrated draft. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, I, man. No one knows. Like, we know that. It's pretty much set in stone right now. Zion one, John Morant two, um, and RJ Bear three, right? Uh, but like you said, like yes, RJ, but does is that because New York wants to play RJ Barrett, or does New York want to trade RJ Barrett to New Orleans uh, to get Anthony Davis? Right? Like we we don't know what their ultimate goal is, and if they really want to get Anthony Davis, it's not going to make sense for them to trade down with the Hawks to get for 8 and 10 because New Orleans doesn't want 8 and 10. They want the best possible player they can get. Um, now, on the same token, right, I mean, on the flip side of the coin, I should say, if we talk about the Lakers, the Lakers got to get Anthony Davis. Like, they're, they're in a the win-now mode. Like, it does not help that team that much uh, to draft anyone at that spot. Like, their ultimate goal, because they want to win a championship. They have LeBron James. They have a young core. That spot is a true luxury for the Lakers. They they were presented a luxury gift by the NBA draft because there's no fucking way they should even have the fourth pick to begin with. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Now that they have it, they got to use that pick and trade with Anthony, uh, trade for um, Anthony Davis. But what I imagine is um, Boston's going to have an interesting package uh, because they got for Anthony Davis because they can offer Jason Tatum. Um, New York's going to have an interesting package um, because they can trade R.J. Barrett. Um, what I think, I, I think, I think that four spot is going to be very realistic because if the Lakers say, "Hey, uh, New Orleans, we'll give you Brandon Ingram, and we'll give you Cal Kuzma, and we'll give you, um, we'll give you um, who else they got there, Lonzo." Uh, uh, what could be a little more attractive is they could give them that fourth pick or they could say we also got this package from the Hawks, you know, that includes another future for a future first-round draft pick and an eight and a ten pick. You know, that, that could tip the scales where they, you know, New Orleans walks away with three draft picks and three good players. You know, that, that could be something Slint can talk about with the Lakers and say, hey, let me – help me help you. You know what I mean? Help me help you. You know, I want I want Jared Culver. I want Cam Reddish. I don't want Cleveland to get it. So help me help you. I'll give you these picks. You go you go after your boy AD. Um, and you know I'll get my guy that I want. Um, I can see something like that happening. If not four, definitely five. We'll rob Cleveland blind. Uh, we'll you know we'll we'll definitely make it happen with Cleveland if it doesn't make it, if it doesn't happen with LA. But I would not be surprised in the least bit if we make a trade with LA to kind of help them. It'll almost be like a three team trade. Like 
I mean, actually, it would be. It would just be a three-team trade between the Hawks, the Lakers, and the New Orleans Pelicans uh, to, to move Anthony Davis and a bunch of draft picks and players. Yeah, I'm I'm in that same boat with you, man. I think that uh, the Hawks have so many, so many options right now. Like, we're – like, if you're the Lakers, the Knicks, New Orleans, um, you're talking to Atlanta. Like, oh, yeah. you're, you're going to – Atlanta's going to – is key in all of this because we control – so, and, you know, we already put our, like – whoever pushed that story about Atlanta possibly trading up for the uh, number um, for the number three pick, I applaud them because that kind of, that puts Atlanta in that conversation. And it's not like we're trying to be in the actual Anthony Davis, like trade conversation. We're just trying to get some of the, whatever you don't want, we'll take. And we'll take the best stuff back. You want, you don't want that number three pick. You want a couple more assets. We'll take that. You don't want that number four pick. You want a couple more assets to throw in that Anthony Davis trade. We'll take that. You got some extra salary. We'll take that. Plus your future face. We're all, we're open up for business. Okay, because we're, we're open up for business. Open for business, because now we got all the real estate on the Monopoly board. Like, you know, we got so much real estate on the Monopoly board, man. They got, like, they yeah, got and it's like New Orleans already has Zion. You know, they already had number one pick. And it's like, you can't, you can't just go and, you know, they can't go and try to talk to New Orleans about trading Anthony Davis for the number one pick. Like, New Orleans is like, we're good. Y'all got to come talk to us. And you better go talk to Atlanta, too. So, (laughs) then come talk to me. That's how New Orleans is. And Atlanta is like, hey, look, what you need, man? Look, you know, make your package look good now, but we're going to need something in return, too. So, just, you know, us willing and dealing and us being in that, you know, us being in that, it's just good to see. Because most of the time, Atlanta, we're on the sidelines of all these deals. And, you know, we're we're not in the mix, but we are in the mix, man. We're, you know, especially we made a – we could be one of the reasons why Kyrie is in Brooklyn. <laughs> like, long, we could be that. And – we're going to be one of those teams that competing with uh, a Brooklyn or all these other teams down the road. We're going to be competing with our and hey, they kind of helped us get here. That's right. I love it, man. Like, you, you said it perfectly. We're in the mix now, man. Like, it's, it's really clear that, I mean, this is going to be – this NBA draft and free agency season is going to be incredible, and Atlanta's going to be right in the mix of all of it, man. Like right in the middle of all of it, and that hasn't been said in a long time. Like, when's the last time somebody's like, "Well, it depends on what the Hawks do." <laughs> That's when determined. I remember oh, one year, the year we were gonna. It was like right after the sixty win season, and it was like we were planning on trading Jeff Teague, uh, Kyle Korver, and we were gonna basically blow it up or something. And everybody was like, "We're waiting on Atlanta." Everybody was waiting on Atlanta, and this was, you know. We didn't have the balls to pull the trigger then. But now it's like we have so many assets and everything. It's like we can we can do anything almost. We really can't do no wrong almost unless we just put Trey Young in a deal. But <laughs> beyond that, I don't think we can do any wrong. Yeah, like Trey Young and John Collins are untouchable. Uh, I wish a GM would fix his mouth. Yeah. Collins. 
Because it's his mouth to say Trey Young. Boy. <laughs> I will hang up the phone immediately. Like, if you're not offering me a real superstar for this potential superstar in the future, and even then, I don't know on it because whatever superstar you're trying to get rid of got a lot of money. <laughs> A lot of my like, like, like if somebody like Washington called talking about, hey, we'll give you John Wall for you know Trey Young and a couple assets or whatever. We were like, I would hang up the phone so fast, man. <laughs> I'll hang up the phone so fast. Like I do not want that guy. I'm good on that. I saw, and this is just like one person's opinion. I think one uh, article I was reading. They were just talking about all the different options um, that Travis Link has. And one of the options they presented was, you know, hey, if they wanted to get Bradley Bill, who would line up perfectly next to Kevin Herter and Trey Young, you know, they can they can make an offer to the Washington Wizards to get Bradley Bill out of Washington. And that had not crossed my mind because I'm thinking so much about the draft. But, woo, I would like that. <laughs> if we didn't have to give up any players, it was just a draft pick kind of deal, I would love to bring Bradley Bill to Atlanta, rescue him. I would love to rescue him like a knight in shining armor from Washington. And then if we, we made that move, we're, we're a playoff yeah, team. Yeah, we're a playoff team. But I don't think we're we want to rush that. Uh, we're, I don't, I don't want to tie up too many assets in that. Like, because I would definitely have to give up pretty much all our picks from this year or whatever. But, uh, I mean, I don't know if – we don't know if any of these guys who are potential to be drafted are going to become anywhere near the player uh, Bradley Beal is right now. So, so that's the thing. Bradley Beal is a bad man. We can make that move. Uh, we pull the trigger on that. Trey, you know, Allen Crab and a few, like pretty much all our draft picks that we have right now. Um, like the three, especially the three from this year. It would be that, maybe Bembry or something, whatever makes the salary work. But all those. Yeah, whatever makes the salary work. You give them Adam Crabb, Miles Pumley, and you give them some good draft picks to eight to 10, maybe the seven, probably the eight to 10, and then the um that uh future first. And, you know, yeah, three draft picks and two players. Like, that's, you know, that's that's a pretty good deal uh for you know uh a twenty five million dollar year player but I mean who knows maybe maybe they'll laugh at that maybe Washington laughs at that offer I don't know uh but I mean they gotta do something because <laughs> John Wall you know he they they're stuck Washington is stuck right now they, they can't rebuild because they only have one draft pick they got a whole lot of bad contracts um their their best their best player can't can't stay healthy they gotta do something um but that's just one possibility man you know Schlink you know, he's like the prettiest girl in high school right now in prom season. You know, you got to get him on the phone. phone. See what he's talking about, at least. Uh, at least see what he's talking about. <laughs> Lakers, Knicks, um, Brooklyn, the Clippers are all in, in um, competing for those. Uh, those Atlanta's, they're not getting those top three. So it's like, like we want to, Atlanta wants to be like, you know, they want to be. They want to be like a bank. You know, you come to us. You give us. You know, we give you this loan or whatever. You know, they, they want to finance this this deal. They want to. They want to make sure this goes. But in return, we gotta asset whatever. We gotta get. Want to get an unprotected first round pick for somebody. Like <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get. We. I mean. And then we get okay, we got nah, it's protected. But we getting all these uh future. I think we got um OKC's twenty two pick, twenty twenty three pick or something. Yeah, man, we got, the, we got the OKC twenty twenty two pick, and that's the first. That's a double draft. So I mean, 
we're stopped. Yeah. We're stopped with draft picks, man. But I, yeah. oh, I got to run. I'm, I'm walking in my building now. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to peace out. All right, man. Good talk, man. Good talking. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Goat Talk Podcast. Co-hosted by yours truly, Travia Scott, and my brother, Eric Scott, together with the Scott Bros, and we're bringing you the greatest basketball conversation of all time. Become a part of that conversation or the fam by subscribing. We're located on various streaming platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and Breaker. Thanks. And be a goat. Bye.